betrayal was the biggest, I think, feeling at that moment. And and just, you know, disbelief that that could be going on in my home and in my marriage. When Jenny discovered her husband's emotional affair, she was devastated. Thankfully, she found resources at our website to heal her marriage. I think Focus on the Family has been almost like a conduit to kind of pull together um, two lives that's been broken. It pulls them together through brokenness, through hurt and heartache. I'm Jim Daly. Working together, we can rescue more hurting marriages like Jenny's and give families hope. Please join our marriage restoration team by calling 800, the letter A in the word family, or donate at focusonthefamily.com slash hope, and your gift will be doubled. We all know that technology can be an incredible gift. I mean, think about it. The sum total of human knowledge is accessible in the palm of our hands via virtually any smartphone. That was science fiction not very long ago, but the same technology can also have some unintended consequences too, such as potentially undermining our kids' motivation. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host of The Plugged In Show. Focus on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, if you've listened to The Plugged In Show before, you know that we spend a good deal of time talking about screens. And let's face it, that's because many of us and many of our families spend a lot of time interacting with those screens. But I think if we're being honest, we would also admit that managing that usage appropriately is one of the biggest child-rearing tasks that we face. One of the ways that screens, I think, can impact our kids in kind of a sneaky way is by undermining their motivation to work hard and to strive for the kinds of achievement, whether that's academic or extracurricular or even in a church environment, that we know they're capable of. So today we're going to spend some time reflecting on why and how technology can be a problem when it comes to motivation and how we might respond to that problem as parents. In our second segment, Bob Hoos is here to let us know what is happening with Enola Holmes, and that's Sherlock's little sister, if you're not familiar with her, in her second movie on Netflix. We know the game is likely afoot, but there might be some other things afoot, too, that parents should be aware of. So you'll want to keep listening to hear what Bob has to say about that. And before we jump in, I would also encourage you to follow The Plugged In Show wherever you get your podcasts. Take a minute to leave a review for others who might be wondering what the show is all about. Well, joining me for our conversation today are Emily Clark, Bob Hoos, and Jonathan McKee. Hey, everyone. Hello. Hello, good, sir. I am excited to talk about technology today. And before we do that, we're going to have a little little warm-up question here. So anyone who's ever been a parent knows there are plenty of highs and lows along the way. What's one movie or TV show that might encourage us to press on as parents when we're in the thick of the issues that our kids face today. Hmm. Well, I'll jump in. Uh, okay. Let's, I would say Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Might be say one. more. Uh, it's, I mean, it's a, a movie, obviously, about a guy who doesn't have a lot to work with, and yet he reaches amazing heights and does all kinds of wonderful things, and primarily it's because of his mother's wisdom and encouragement when he was a boy all the things that he takes on with him through life because his mother's encouraged him with little sayings and uh, 
you know, yeah, that sort of thing. So, well, and I think as parents, sometimes it can feel like we're talking and our kids are zoning out or right. their eyes are rolling or it doesn't seem like maybe they're paying attention at all. Yeah. And I think one of the things these kinds of stories can do is they can give us sort of the long view, right? And right. and help us to see in a story form how those little things really are making a difference, even though sometimes we're not so sure. And he becomes a loving parent himself by the end of the film. That's right. Who's next? Parent encouraging movies and TV shows. You, you know, I'm going to go a, a different way. I, I encounter a lot of uh, single moms uh, when I'm out of my parent workshops who seem like they're looking for encouragement and guidance. And uh, in media, sometimes you get that represented, sometimes you don't. There's a movie that I mentioned on this show, oh gosh, probably over a year ago, but it's called The Way, Way Back. Uh, it's PG-13, probably has the same type of content issues that Forrest Gump would have. Right. But if you have teenagers, really encouraging film. I mean, it's Steve Carell uh, plays kind of this nemesis. Tony Collette is a single mom with this bad boyfriend, Steve Carell. Um, Sam Rockwell's in it. I mean, just a really great cast, Allison Janney. But it's pretty much a single mom kind of navigating this situation with her son. And she ends up kind of having to make a choice on, on family, boyfriend or son. And, and it's, it's, it's fantastic. And the whole movie's good. Great discussion points. Great movie to watch with your older teens, for sure. What would be the point of encouragement for parents, do you think, Jonathan? Um you know, I, gosh, I don't want. I'm trying to think of how to do it without giving a spoiler. Uh, well, that's it true. Really, I don't want you to spoil the movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just kind of more of a matter of sometimes I think we get so distracted in our own lives um, that we neglect our kids, and hmm. uh, it was really kind of a challenge of paying attention and noticing our kids during some of these tough times. Okay, Emily, what you got for us? Well, I'm not a parent. Right. But... So it's, a, I guess, more of a theoretical <laughs> question for you. <laughs> I know. Um, now I'm going to go with uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Aw. I don't think that needs a ton of explanation, but <laughs> I mean, like, he has his moments in the film where, you know, his kids want to play with him and he's just so stressed out that he, you know, he snaps at his kids and they're just like, we're sorry, dad. Like they weren't trying to, you know, upset him or anything. They didn't do anything wrong, but he was just having a bad day. But then by the end of the film, you know, he reconciles, he apologizes and he lets them know that he loves him. And they're just so happy that he's happy, you know, very sweet, very encouraging. It is very sweet and very encouraging. And it's also, uh, a great movie to watch in the holidays. I know. I, I so, kind of did that because we, the holidays are upon us. <laughs> yes. Well, I think with the holidays being upon us, I'm, uh, I had one thing in mind. I'm going to go in a totally and utterly different direction. I'm going to pick Elf, right? That <laughs> paragon of parenthood movie, <laughs> yeah. Elf. Uh, but obviously... Elf revolves uh, around Will Ferrell's character. He, uh, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but he has ended up as an elf uh, being raised at the North Pole, comes to New York City to find his biological father, who is a hard-charging publishing executive. And it really, uh, among other things, and the inanities that ensue, and there's a lot of inanity ensuing in this movie, uh, it really is a story about a father and a son that his dad, Walter, doesn't want 
anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, didn't even know that he existed until he showed up. Um, but it, it's about a man who is totally self-absorbed being slowly pulled out of that self-absorption um, among lots of uh, inanities ensuing along the way. <laughs> so, you yeah. really like that word. I Yeah. You know, well, when you have a nice phrase, you just got to work it. You got to work it. That's exactly yeah. right. And it's, it's PG-13. There are some mildly inappropriate stuff here and there if you haven't seen it. So it's not a full-on plugged-in endorsement. As always, we would encourage you to look for our full reviews for stuff where we have them. I'm not sure we've done It's a Wonderful Life. But I think that these stories can serve as encouragement. And we hope maybe some of our stories can serve as encouragement too. And so today we're going to be talking about teens and tweens and tech and motivation. And I have never lived in another time. Uh, This is my science fiction confession. Uh, But I suspect that being a parent has never been an easy thing. That said, I think our own particular cultural moment comes freighted with its own challenges. And one of those is managing the influence of screens. And we have talked at length over the years about managing social media, managing you know, the kinds of negative content that come through. But we're going to talk about the issue of motivation today and how screens might actually be impacting that. And, and I want to start with a personal story, and then we'll we'll dive into a bigger conversation with my 16-year-old. And it was one of those parental conversations that he probably would have described it as an argument. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're not arguing. We're just talking. <laughs> and he didn't want to have to memorize facts for his art history class. He was complaining about it. And his argument against having to do that work of rote memorization, which let's face it, a huge portion of our education is memorizing facts and figures. He was arguing against it from two perspectives. One, nobody cares about art history. It wasn't something he was ever going to need in the real world. Sorry, art history majors. Sorry, art history majors. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you you never know when you might need an obscure fact about the Mona Lisa or something. Uh, And then he (laughs) said, and this was his bigger argument, why should I have to memorize anything when I can answer any question I have by picking up my phone? And, you know, (laughs) I gave a the typical parental response that sort of said, no, it's important to to learn to work hard. Emily? I'm going to give you a little boost here. You could be like, because the Bible tells us oh, to. Oh, the Bible. I should have tried <laughs> oh, that out. Jesus. <laughs> Missed opportunity. <laughs> um, secretly, I found myself being, and hopefully he won't listen to this podcast, <laughs> um, I, I was a little bit persuaded by his argument. Right. You know, our kids are growing up in a world where they have all this information available and and he has complained. He has sometimes has open book tests and sometimes closed book tests. He's like, why would we ever have a closed book test in the real world? I can find anything I need. So it's more important for me to learn how to use that. But all of that was sort of, you know, an advanced rationalization so he could spend more time playing Fortnite, which we may talk about here Mm -hmm. uh, as well. But I think it made me wonder is one of the shadow sides of technology the fact that it might actually demotivate us from working hard and achieving, and especially our kids who are growing up 
who truly are digital natives. You know, they haven't moved here from the other country of, of us old people. Uh, they're growing right. up with this technology woven into every aspect of their lives. So right. that's what we're going to talk about today. And I want to uh, direct our conversation to get started toward Emily, because we had a discussion in a staff mm-hmm. meeting a couple of weeks ago about a different angle on this subject. And it stemmed from an article you read about the ethics of using YouTube to figure out how to beat hard levels on tough video games. So tell us about that, because I think it's another parallel example of of how technology maybe impacts motivation. So um, the gist of the article was simply that, um, you know, you can, when you get to a hard level in a video game, if you can't solve it on your own, you can go to YouTube and you can watch somebody else solve it and then you can just replicate what they did. So, and it was the question it was uh, trying to answer was whether or not that was a form of cheating. And um, so in my personal opinion, I mean, it's not necessarily cheating, but it's, but as you know, per this conversation, it's also not good if you lose all of your will and your ability to problem solve. I yeah. think that that becomes the bigger question is, does this affect your ability to come up with creative solutions and to figure things out? And because like, yes, if you watch the video um, on YouTube that shows you how to find that Easter egg or, you know, that last little coin so that you have a hundred percent completion down down left left right right jump jump yes all of that (laughs) like if you look up like all that stuff um essentially what you're doing is you're finding a shortcut sure but you're also taking away your ability like what if you actually had to go into the game and look and spend like two hours looking for the thing you're trying to find instead of just looking it up in two minutes let's face it that's what games are designed to do i mean they're they're designed to give you a problem and then you have to figure out how to solve that problem or overcome that barrier and and a lot of times they're designed to be so hard that you don't make it the first couple of times or the first hundred you walk away and then your brain keeps working on it you come back with the solution so this yeah is sort of a shortcut it does i I, i don't i don't know however if that means that it is a is a demotivator because, um, I mean, you're still working your way through the game. Ultimately, it's not like you're giving up and saying, okay, I'll just follow this and I, and I solve all my problems. But sometimes that is what you're doing. Sometimes you're just so far in it that you're just like, I give up. I'm just going to look it up. I think that, I think the big issue here we're talking about is that problem solving, conflict resolution, many of these things in life are, are things that maybe some of us here grew up with doing on our own without having to look down at a screen. I can't help but think, Adam, in a previous podcast, you were talking about how fun it was playing Pokemon with your son. And you said, but at times you had to be careful and say, hey, look up from your phone. You're going to get hit by a car because you guys are walking (laughs) through the middle of the street looking at your phone. And I I think that's a good example where we could just talk to our kids about and, and here's where maybe a good idea is to have fun activities where we put our devices aside and we problem solve without Googling. And so it's not that all problem solving, you know, with a phone is bad. I, I mean, I think dad, if he's fixing a pipe under the sink, might go to YouTube for it. Okay. Yeah, and it I mean, still it's, won't it's, help. It's, Ask me how I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great resource at times, but I think there's times where we learn, you know, family dinners, hiking trips, going outside and problem solving and learning to look up from our devices. And these are conversations we can have with our kids, not lecturing them, right. but asking them, hey, when are some good times 
where we have a problem that Google can't solve that maybe we need to engage face-to-face and stick it out and solve it and, and see what they think and maybe plant that seed so they start thinking about that. I love that. Yeah, and, and going back to your question about your son and your conversation with him and your suggestion that he needs to learn to learn, learns right. to learn how to learn. I think that's right. that's really important. Uh, you don't want to be spoon-fed everything your, your whole life right? It, because it's through the process of learning. I mean, let's face it, okay? I'll be completely honest with any kids listening. <laughs> a huge portion of the things that you learn in school, you'll never use. Right. Sorry, but that's true. And mom and dad, we apologize for Bob's confession. <laughs> we we, we but, apologize for that disclaimer. But, but the point is that the things you do learn, right. as you are learning how to learn, you find things that click with you. Right. And when those things click, they can actually shape your creative process from there on. Well, and that's how I have tried to approach it, especially he's really struggling with calculus right now. And... I can relate. Yeah, well, and and I'm, yeah, I have to be careful how much I give true confessions because I was terrible at it too. Well, how about I give my true confession? Go ahead. <laughs> my true confession is when I was taking calculus in college, I whenever I had a homework problem, if the book didn't have the formula written out, then I would just type the problem in verbatim into Google, and it would. There would be an. Ex- it may not be the exact same numbers, yeah. but it was close enough where I could just basically copy the formula and just do it that way. And that is, like, yes, it was a way to get the homework done and get the grade that I needed. But at the same time, it was also a form of cheating because I wasn't using the resources the teacher wanted me to use. I was trying to find the shortcut, and in the end, it reflected in my grade because then when we would go in to do, you know, the tests and stuff, like. You didn't have Google available. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to, like, all those kids who are like, I could just look it up on my phone. Yeah, until you're in a college course and you'll get, like, you'll get removed from the class and potentially expelled from the school for having your phone because they will consider it cheating, you know? you And, you know, going back to Jonathan's point about spending time where it's like, what happens when you find a problem that you can't solve with the internet? You can't solve, for example, relationship issues with the internet. You can't solve... um, you can find stuff about the Bible online, but like really and truly, where do we get most of our resources for the Bible? We get them by going to church, by having a relationship with God, by studying our Bibles. You know, that's not something. Yes, technically, you can have your Bible online, but that's not right. something you can get exclusively from your phone. Yeah, I, I love this conversation. And one of the things I love about it is it's not a totally black and white kind of thing. On one hand, yeah. we want to help our kids develop a work ethic. We want to help them understand, here's what you need to learn in order to pass a class or to, you know, to hold down a job eventually, because you're going to have yeah. to have a skill set where you're bringing those things to work. Um, and, and by the same token, in the real world, you probably do have some of those resources available to help you solve problems. And so there's a little bit of both and here, Bob. Yeah. And I, I would also push back against the idea that screens themselves attack our motivation. Okay. Um, I think it's how we use them. Sure. And, and for example, games, video games. A lot of people have looked at video games and say, oh, oh just, they just kill kids. But the fact is, I just did a blog uh, just the other day that talked about all these different studies that, are, that have addressed the many ways that video games can actually help kids and, and adults mm-hmm. uh, in the areas of decision-making, 
productivity, stress relief, memory, all those different areas. And and so games themselves are not necessarily the problem. Okay. It's how often or how long you use a game. If you're on a game for six hours, okay, that's going to be a problem. Right. If you're using it for 45 minutes and you're getting all these benefits, then that can be a plus. Yeah. So it's it all comes down to how much time you put into there and how much you use it. Now, one other thing about that, uh, screens as far as streaming TV shows, that can be empty use of screens, in my opinion, or streaming YouTube videos or TikTok, depending on how much time you put in there. If you're putting in hours and hours and hours of empty, you you, you don't have to think through any of that. Right. It's just raw consumption. So, so, you know, if you're doing that, then you are wasting so much time. And of course, that's going to cut into your motivations. Yeah. And of course, there are educational YouTube videos. There are educational um, TV shows like documentaries and such. But um, but no, one thing I wanted to come back to was you were talking about spending too much time on your screen or on video games or whatever. So the WHO, World Health Organization, actually has, uh, it's called gaming disorder. It's an actual disease that they recognize, and it's defined as a pattern of gaming behavior characterized by impaired control over gaming, increasing priority given to gaming over other activities to the extent that gaming takes precedence over other interests and daily activities. Hmm. Yeah. So, which, which can apply to TV shows and TikTok exactly. videos and everything else. It can apply to many things. And I think it really comes down to, you know, when your kid is sitting there saying, why do I need to learn this? I can just look it up on my phone. What is their motivation behind that? You said right. earlier that it was your son's motivation that he wanted to go play Fortnite. And, you know, there's been a lot of studies on gaming addiction about, like, the needs that gaming fulfills, you know, with instant gratification. Um, there's a reinforcement schedule when people play. There's dopamine pun- hits, dopamine hits, all that stuff. You and know, let's face it. Dopamine starts with dope. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Emily. I'm going to ignore that comment. <laughs> That was really lame. (laughs) I'm a dad. Uh, I'm a dad. Yeah, no joke. (laughs) Card carrying. Anyways, um, (laughs) back to what I was saying, though. I I think that when it comes down to it, you have to have that conversation about, like, why do you not want to learn this? Is it just because, yes, you can look it up on your phone at any point? Or is there something deeper going on here? And I think often there is. It's I want to get back to what I was doing. I don't want to spend time on my homework. I think we as parents can constantly keep our eyes out for good information. And that's one thing that we plugged in try to do is we try to provide some articles, try to provide some studies, some resources that are maybe some of these conversation kickstarters. Because if we're having conversations, if we're constantly just like battling, you know, somebody says something, you know, our, our kid asks us, can I spend more time? We're like, no, because I said so. That doesn't do a lot of good. But if you're around a dinner table and you're like, hey, I just read this. What do you think? Or, I mean, honestly, if you want a starting point for this, you know, go back and watch like the documentary, The Social Dilemma. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're watching That's a screen, a but it's a fantastic Netflix documentary with interviews of, you know, some of the guys who were writing these algorithms that are trying to keep us on our apps longer. And they're kind of admitting, yeah, our whole goal was to keep you on this device as long as possible without putting it down. And just when you want to put it down, we give you a little dopamine hit so you want to keep it, you know, in your hand a little bit longer. And it's good 
for just to raise awareness and then be able to ask our kids, hey, what do you think about that? Do you think this ever affects, you know, the young people around you? Does this ever affect you? And asking those kind of questions and just kind of leaving it that, hmm, something to think about, walking away. It's not us just lecturing and saying no because I said so. It's giving them good information and starting the conversation. I love that. And I think that what we have illustrated in this conversation is there's not a one-size-fits-all answer for this problem. Like each of us as parents and in our families and with our individual kids are going to have to figure out what are the things that cause my child to sort of get demotivated and is technology involved with that? And I think the flip side is, and this is really one of the things I'm trying, uh, the problem I'm trying to solve for with my 16 year old son is what is it that really motivates you? Because I think if we can also tap into sort of their inherent uh, identity and personality, we can identify the things that that really naturally cause them to want to to work, to give themselves to the good stuff. Um, but that requires attention. It requires relationship. It requires engagement. And probably it requires some give and take, and it, we may not always get it right. Uh, and so I think that, that what this conversation has illustrated is that we've got to be connecting with our kids meaningfully and understanding how they're wired, um, no pun intended, uh, to help them in this area. And it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it here as well, just as we bring this conversation for a close. It's not just the kids, right? I mean, our kids are probably going to be mirroring what they see us doing as well. And so if if we have motivational problems, if I'm not motivated to do what needs to be done around the house because I'm surfing the internet, well, then I need to look in the mirror and and start with myself too. Um, You know, and and I don't... I don't want us to suggest that there shouldn't be any rules, right. just no, conversations. I'm not saying that. I know you're not, but I just want to clarify that. Yeah. Like, for example, when we're talking about screen time, when we're talking about games, setting time limits can be very good. Yep. I mean, the, the, absolutely. those types of things can help motivate kids in different directions. Like, yeah. for example, yeah. uh, Jonathan has repeatedly said, and I agree with him 100%, no screens in the bedroom, yep. which is a great rule it's to a have. It's a great boundary. And it, it's that's boundary to set. And, and you, But you can also then help the kids by giving them something else in the bedroom. Give them yeah. a book. And trust me, uh, that w- when you have a book in your hand and you're reading before bed, you go to sleep a lot easier than, than a game. <laughs> uh, that is Absolutely. exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that's a good place to... To bring our conversation in for a landing today, obviously there's more to talk about, but the good news is we will continue to talk about these issues in future episodes of The Plugged In Show. So thanks, everybody. Well, in our second segment today, Bob, you are going to tell us about Enola Holmes. And I, I would guess that in our audience, we have two kinds of people. The people who watched the original movie on Netflix with Millie Bobby Brown two years ago and loved it because with only a few minor caveats, it was a pretty great movie. Yeah. And, uh, and then there's those who probably have no idea what an Enola Holmes is. So <laughs> tell us about this character and then maybe give us sort of an overview of what's happening in the sequel. Okay. Well, uh, Enola is Sherlock Holmes' sister. Okay. And, and the series or the movies, both of them take place in the late 1800s. And so it's in the same setting as, as your regular Sherlock Holmes series or or stories, Uh, only it's Enola who wants to be a detective herself, and she's a teen, somewhere around maybe 16, 17 years old, and uh, and in this movie, she 
starts her own agency. She decides, I'm going to do my own detective agency. But of course, nobody comes there. You know, if they show up, they're looking for the bakery or wondering if her brother could help out with something. (laughs) Oh, hello. You're a girl. Tell me. Yes. Might your brother be free? So she's just about ready to close up shop when this young girl comes in and tells her that she her sister is missing and can she help? And of course, Enola says, yes, I'll help out. And and so she goes through the process, like Sherlock would, of looking at clues and deducing what, what is going on and what may be happening. But as the story continues to unfold, we find out that it's a much deeper mystery than just a missing girl who used to work in a match factory. Uh, it's much wider and broader, and in fact, it even entwines with a mystery that Sherlock is working on on the other side of the city. Okay. And, uh, and I'll just give you a clue. Moriarty. I was going to say, this sort of just suggests Moriarty might be involved. And if you're not a Sherlock Holmes fan, Moriarty is sort of Sherlock's arch nemesis, Nemesis. which it's such a fun word. Yeah. I mean, nemesis. You just want to say it over and over again. So um, the first one, as I said, had a a few bumps along the way. What are some of the concerns that parents might want to be aware of with this one, Bob? Well, you know, there wasn't really a lot of content that, uh, that I found worrisome at all, except for this fact. We, we live in this world where um, action movies these days have to have a certain amount of violence. Yeah. Have to have, you know, lots of peril and people punching other people and all that sort of thing. And when you've got a 17 or 16 year old girl in the mix, that can feel at least for me as a dad looking on, it can feel a little troubling, you know, when you've got this young teen girl being grabbed by an adult man by the neck and slammed up against a wall and things like that. I mean, that makes me go, whoa, whoa, this feels a little too harsh. Now, again, in our current Hollywood climate, action films have got to have that. And why not have a, the young girl who can take fisticuffs to a man in the alley? But the fact is that it still can be a little bit disturbing, and I, f- I think that, of all things, will probably be what uh, what parents balk at a bit. Okay. And that's not um, too far of a stretch from the first movie. I think I said something very similar in the first movie. It is a little jarring to see a teenage girl getting beaten up like yeah. that by she gets a grown man. pretty severely in the first it, one. She doesn't win every fight in the right. first yeah. one. Like, they make it a point. Um, no, this is a grown man with much bigger and stronger muscles than this tiny little teen girl. Like, yeah. I don't care that she learned how to fight. You go up against somebody that big, you're going to get hurt, you know? Yeah. So, and, yeah. and, that, and in a way, it also flies into the sensibilities of the time period. Yeah. You know, because, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is going to be a little bit more focused on on uh, feminist sensibilities of sorts, yeah. modern yeah. day sensibilities, and uh, and they weren't there. They weren't present in the 1880s. They just right. weren't. Uh, so some of the uh, Sherlock Holmes fans may balk a little at that too. But it's but it's not major things. It's okay. really not. All right. Well, Bob, thanks for telling us about Enola Holmes and too. It's, it's fun. I will it, say it is this. a it fun is, movie. It is a fun movie. It's a, both of them are are fun, and um, they're not perfect, but I think. Much more than so many things we review at Plugged In, they're pretty navigable. Yeah. And and Millie Bobby Brown as Enola Holmes is really a delightful character. So and Henry Henry Cavill is uh, and Henry, Sherlock. And Superman is Sherlock. Yeah, he's excellent. What more do you want? <laughs> excellent. <Yeah. laughs> 
Well, if you want to find out more about either of the Enola Holmes movies, you can always go to PluggedIn.com and get our full review with all of the information uh, right there for you to make a good decision for your family. Thanks, guys. Well, now it's time for a segment we like to call Name That Movie. And in this segment, here is what we are doing. Each of you is going to pick a movie and give us sort of a a sarcastic or playful or whimsical description of the movie that perhaps exaggerates some aspect of the movie and the rest of us have to guess what it is. Do I have any volunteers for who wants to go first on this one or should I lead well, the way? I'll be happy to go first because then you won't copy what I mean. You, in other words, you won't use mine before well, I do. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I would say, let's see. A son blames himself for the downfall of his father and runs away but comes back with friends to save the day. Thor. Close, but no oh, cigar. Oh. Uh, can you give me another hint? Uh, <laughs> I think that's cheating. No, we got <laughs> oh, to no, figure but, it out. <laughs> uh, okay, a monkey. A monkey. Oh. It's not King Kong. No. No. That's a big monkey. Okay, I'm scanning. I'm like trying to locate my monkey movie file in my brain. <laughs> I know, right? That's what I'm trying okay, to do. Okay, I'll give, I'll, give I'll give you the definitive clue. African songs. Oh, uh, African song. Um, um, oh, uh, Lion King? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. See, the monkey part in Lions threw me well, off. I didn't, want to, I didn't want to say lion. That would be too close. Right. But the monkey holding up a lion. Okay. Yeah, okay. All yeah, right. the monkey definitely threw me off. I'm like trying to think of all these and monkey that, movies. That, that was my plan. Oh man! All right, who's next? Jonathan, you want to go next? Sure, absolutely. I, I I'll start on the vague, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Here we go. A young orphan is raised by foster parents on a farm before heading off to the big city, where his true self emerges. Hmm. Superman. Starring Henry Cavill. <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. All right. Was that it? Yeah. All right. Boom. Boom. Good, Emily. All right. I will go next. A narcissistic, egotistical, incredibly engaged with the ladies man somehow <laughs> manages to save the universe over and over again. Iron Man. No, good guess though. That is a good guess. <laughs> and he the story has a, of my life. He has oh. a friend with pointy ears. <laughs> Wait, can you say that description again? Uh, an egotistical, narcissistic, never wrong, risk-taking leader saves the universe over and over again. And um, Star Trek. Star Trek. That's right. Yes. Yep, that makes sense. Who takes that makes his sense. shirt off every episode? <laughs> right. Right. And his shirt's never red because he would die if that were the case. All right, Emily, bring us home. Talking bacon herds lamb chops. Uh, babe. Yes. Who said oh, babe? Oh, Jonathan <laughs> did. But did the film? But did the pig ever talk? Yeah, I mean, yeah. not to humans, but to the other animals. Yeah. He used pig talk. That, okay. okay. That'll do, pig. That'll, That'll do, do, pig. All right. You know, I like this game because it's actually harder than it seems like it should be, right? <laughs> 
again, I'm like, okay, there's my monkey movie file, my talking pig file. <laughs> so you guys have faster processors than I do. But uh, hopefully that has been fun for you guys listening at home as well. And we want to just say thanks for spending some time with us at the Plugged In Show today. If you've enjoyed the show, tell your friends. Word of mouth is really the best way to get information about the Plugged In Show out there. And you can also leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love to hear from you. What did you think about our conversation about how technology influences our kids' motivation today? Or on a lighter note, have you seen Enola Holmes 2? And what did you think about that? Was it as good as the first one? You can let us know on Facebook or Instagram or send us a message at team at thepluggedinshow.com and we might even feature your message on an upcoming episode so send them our way and as our thanks for being a part of the plugged in show today for a gift of any amount we would love to send you a copy of jonathan mckee's book guy's guide to four battles every young man must face you'll find a link to that offer in the episode notes for today's show in our blog entry for this week's conversation Well, thanks again for joining us this week as we've talked about technology and motivation. We hope that our conversations each week here equip you, encourage you, challenge you, and just help you to stay in the game on helping our kids to navigate the crazy world of technology and pop culture that we're all in the midst of today. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week on another episode of The Plugged In Show. A mysterious phone call and a new nemesis? Emily Jones and Matthew Parker are on the case. I just need to find out who this person is. Oh, sounds like a real mystery. It all starts with a phone caller threatening to blackmail Jones and Parker's friend Jeremy. But this new nemesis won't stop there. Can Emily and Matthew figure out who this blackmailer is before it's too late? Solve the mystery with them by reading Jones and Parker Case Files, The Nemesis. It's the second book in the series with 16 new stories full of fun, faith, and intrigue. It's a great way for kids ages 8 to 12 to sharpen their detective skills while learning important values. Inspect clues, examine the evidence, and try to guess who done it. This is going to be harder than I thought, Mr. Whitaker. Oh, stop saying that, Priscilla. Relax. We're going to have a blast. For more, go to adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker. That's adventuresinodyssey.com slash jonesandparker.